0: Hello and welcome to FinTech Insider Insights. I'm David Breer. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about whether Agile is the solve all solution that is occasionally perceived to be in FinTech and what other options for business operations there really are out there. Uh, Before we get started with the show, though, I want to tell you about some of the things we're working on here
1: at 11FS and hear a quick word from our sponsors. Temenos is a world leader in banking software helping over 3,000 banks deliver outstanding banking experiences to more than 1.2 billion people. Scale 2021 is Temenos' dedicated, free-to-attend virtual developer event. It includes customer presentations, product demos, roadmap sessions, as well as opportunities for you to speak with Temenos experts. You'll also hear insights from industry leaders on current technology trends and how they impact banking today. Whether you're a developer, consultant, or business user, Discover the latest in banking technology with Temenos software. Search Temenos Scale 2021 to find out more. The evolution of financial services has opened up a whole new world of possibilities for banks. But to harness those opportunities, they need to break free from traditional constraints. Our new report, in association with Infosys Finical, explores how banks can overcome these challenges to see the full benefits of a truly digital world. Find the report at bit.ly forward slash Banking Business Models.
0: All right, let's get started. As always, I'm not alone, but joined by Deeper Anakindi, who is a lead product manager here at 11FS. How's it going, Deeper? This is your debut. How are you
2: feeling? Tis indeed. Thank you, David. Really excited to be here.
0: I kind of said to you on Slack earlier on, just talk like you do, because having had 10,000 conversations with you, you're way smarter than I am. So just like bring all the smart stuff you do every day. I'm sure it'll be absolutely fine. Didn't you say you did uh, student radio back in university as well? (laughs) I
2: did indeed, yes.
0: How did that go? Uh, Not well. (laughs) Ah, Okay. Maybe don't do it like that then. Uh, but but just do like the normal day to day stuff. I'm sure it'll be fine anyway. But uh, you had a busy week.
2: I did. I've actually just come back from Dubai, um, so I am acclimatizing to the approximately thirty degree drop in temperature. It's a bit of a shock.
0: Goodness me. Uh our CPOs just uh, headed out to uh to, to Dubai as well. I mean, Norfolk weather, it's not quite as nice as that as well. So I'm feeling pretty uh, pretty jealous, I have to say, but uh good to have you back anyway. And uh yeah, we'll uh, we'll get on with the show and see where we get to. Um uh, making her Fintech Insider debut but have previously been on Spotlight. We've got Alexa Ganoon, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Temenos. Alexa, how are you doing?
3: I'm good. How are you?
0: Pretty good. Pretty busy. I, I have to say, I think the uh, the sort of debate around Agile and everything else that goes on with Agile, I mean, it's a, a bit of a, a rivalry. Some people see it as kind of a, a religious debate almost in terms of where it means. But I know you guys have done a, a lot in this space.
3: Yeah, we have. We've, uh, we're covering over 200 implementation a year, almost, uh, you know, once every, pretty much once every day. So yes, we've seen a lot.
0: Very good. Well, you'll uh, you know the uh, the good the bad and the ugly then. So let's uh, let's unpack that as we go through. Uh, and making a welcome return to Fintech Insider, we have Lars Tunin who is the head of UK product at Wise. How's it going today Lars?
4: Hi David. Life is beautiful. It looks like the weather is uh, starting to resemble Halloween over here in Estonia. So very much looking forward to that pumpkin day.
0: I love you, Lars. You're always such an upbeat dude, like uh, a bit of positivity in everybody's life. You can't argue with that, can you? Which is, which is good. Anyway, come on, let's get on with the show. So we're going to be talking um, about, well, what is Agile? Uh, what does it do? How does it impact businesses? How does it impact the the day-to-day of implementations in the way that Alexa was talking about it? But maybe if we start off from from scratch with laying out really what is Agile and and actually how has it become such a, a pivotal thing in a uh, in actually how fintech operates today. So maybe deeper, if we start with you, I mean, maybe if we look a little bit at the basics, give us a bit of an introduction. You you work on a day-to-day basis in this uh, when it comes to Agile. What does it mean? Uh, and actually, where does its origins come from?
2: So I've got to start by admitting something here. So I only recently kind of discovered the story behind the story, as it were. And it's honestly been really interesting just to uncover it and especially kind of compare it in how it's um, kind of been manifest itself over uh, the day to day. And so what I learned was effectively over the 90s, there were some challenges with software development at the time, obviously quite an emerging field. Um, I've read that some experts at the time estimated that The time between a validated business need and the actual application in production was about three years on average. Obviously, give or take some change across industries. And even for 25 odd years ago, I mean, that's pretty shocking and so I think it was 2001, uh, 17 kind of software, I think they call themselves, they, they self-professed call themselves anarchists, got together to discuss an alternative to a very heavy documentation driven process and came up with what we now know as the Agile Manifesto. And what's crazy about this is it's just 12 principles. It's less than 200 words in total. And the sea change that we've seen since then has been pretty crazy to see. Um so I know we all know this, but Agile focuses on working software, iteration, and collaboration as kind of the success metrics. And that is in contrast to the more sequential approach of waterfall, which was kind of the the status quo more or less um traditionally.
0: Yeah. I mean it's interesting, isn't it? It's it's almost the when you stand back from the industry and i don't just mean financial services but you stand back from the entirety of the world like the the pace of everything is just picking up and picking up and picking up and actually the the ability i mean it's i think it's like maybe seconds uh, of these shows in a row where i'm uh, quoting charles darwin but you know the 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 adaptability to the environment is more important than ever before so actually how agile fits into that is so critical, isn't it? Not just in sense of you know, do we deliver our projects on time, but fundamentally, are we even delivering the thing that customers care about in the first place? But I mean, Alexa, kind of coming to you on that point. I mean, obviously, nobody changes a core banking system overnight, but actually, people expect today. Uh, improvements and changes to happen quicker than ever before, uh, albeit realistic about the timescales that major transformations really take. So, I mean, you guys have been implementing agile for for a long time now. How how, how the hell do you do that with a core cool banking engine?
3: I think you pick your battles and you decide where you start. And and I think we'll probably come talk about this at some point. But agile in itself, I mean, there's so many variation of it. So many it means so many things to so many different people that for us it's really about There are pieces of the projects usually that lend themselves to agile because they are about functionality they're about you know giving uh, basically uh, new functions to users to end users and there's stuff which is more the plumbing in a project which maybe doesn't lend itself as much so what we've been learning over over the years is we have this hybrid model this hybrid agile methodology as we call it and we identify up front what would lend itself to Agile and how we pilot those versus what we can let go the more traditional way because it doesn't impact per se the outcome that is really visible. And it's more, as I said, the plumbing, I call it the plumbing.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, uh, as we talked about before on Spotlight, though, Alexa, the plumbing is increasingly becoming sexy in the industry because it, it's the foundations that solve all of these problems, isn't it? Yeah. But h- how are you seeing Agile, though, utilized within, within big banks? Well, uh, Lars, will come to you on the fintech side shortly. But, but in, in big banks, uh, you know, there's a lot of organizations still reading an Agile book while they're trying to do Agile, right?
3: Yeah. And, and we've seen a big adoption when it comes to digital. Because again, the projection is easy. There's less manipulation of data in terms of what you store and, and how you manipulate that. So it's really about the end user experience. And in that front, we've seen a lot. Now, obviously, in the back and deep down, I would say in anything to do with accounting, you know, those not sexy part of the, of the business, it's more difficult. But to be fair, it doesn't change as much as well. There is less innovation. So if I want to make a, a balance there, we've seen banks being quite, uh, you know, happy to uh, to embrace Agile and embracing it when it comes to anything that links very tightly to with innovation. When it's less innovative, then there is less of a need to shatter the organization. We work with big banks and... Agile is about bringing people with you as well. And you cannot replace an entire bank, right? You cannot replace a banking IT department that is 20,000 people. It's not going to happen overnight. So you need to pick your battles as well. And I think the banks have been doing this, some better than others, but they've been doing this.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Lars, bringing you, you into this, obviously, you know, uh, big banks kind of push back on move fast and make things happen you know i specifically avoiding break things there in there in that in that motto i mean the pushback is always well that's nice but banking you know it's not facebook for cats like this is a real thing but obviously you know you guys at wise i mean you're moving tens of millions of pounds around the world you know every uh, couple of minutes in terms of the the scale of what you're doing but you guys are a big believer in in agile and and that fitting into the the processes for you guys as well
4: yeah, I mean, if you, if you really think about it, uh, what is Agile? It's, it's just bringing the scientific method to the 21st century. And all we're really trying to do is we're trying to understand what's the right thing to build for, for our customers. And we've learned very early on that the way uh, towards success is to, is to get customer feedback uh, and implement customer feedback as quickly in as many iterations as you possibly can to make sure that you actually are building the right thing. And all of the principles and all of the methodologies that come with Agile and that we use uh, on a day-to-day basis effectively are there to make that feedback loop as small as possible. So you can build something, you can release it to the customers, you can measure its impact, you can learn from it, and then do that over and over and over again. And all the tools that we now use as part of this help us make those iterations and those feedback cycles as, as small as possible.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? And that as a mantra for life in terms of change is so important, isn't it? Because if you can't atomize the things that you're doing... You've got no idea what's working or not working, right? So actually, if you do something and nothing happens, well, you don't know what didn't make the impact. But if you do something and it's brilliant, you've got no idea how to do it again, which makes it really difficult, doesn't it? And I think this is the place that big banks kind of really find themselves is, look, if your release cycle is every three months and you've got 13,000 features in those things across five different product areas, and actually, let's say there's a problem and you have to do something off the back of that. That's really difficult to resolve. Let's say it goes tremendously well. How do you triple or double down on those things? I think something that's that's kind of missing in it, Lars, as you, as you sort of refer to it, is like the market changes so quickly. The industry is moving so fast now that actually, if you've got three months from an idea to it being executed, which I'll be honest with you, in my experience, is pretty damn good for a big bank, then actually the thing you thought mattered probably doesn't matter anymore. Uh, And that is really difficult. Uh, This is why banks spend so much time spending tens of millions of pounds on strategy, because they can't afford to be wrong when they execute. But actually, I guess, Lars, to your point, if you're continually testing the market and trying to increase product market fit and moving the product forward, well, it's always relevant. It's always staying on what the customer's needs are, because talk to customers, do what they ask. It's, It's quite straightforward when you say it that way.
4: And that's kind of the time dimension of this. But if you also look at like how many how many teams are are working in parallel, like Weisus, two thousand eight hundred people all over the world building the product, and uh, and just uh, you know, on average we make about a little over three thousand releases every month. And so Agile just helps all of these people be on the forefront of each of those domains, be it you know, what kind of user experience works best on the on the interface, all the way to like what kind of machine le- learning algorithm improvements do we want to introduce in the back end to catch the bad guys, right? So uh, effectively, it's all about just making those feedback loops as short as possible, but also allowing as many people as possible to make as many iterations in parallel uh, to make sure... You know uh, that people around the world get the best product possible. Yeah, is there um and maybe
0: a, I mean I think we've we've done a good skim in the surface here, but maybe if we try and sort of dig a little bit deeper on it. I mean, deeper. You put out a a really great blog recently. Uh, it was one of the unf- unfiltered editorials about agile isn't the silver bullet that we thought it was. Um, do you want to kind of. Lay out your position and and where Agile's flaws really are, because I think a lot of people and I, and I say I mean a minute ago, Alexa, I said I've seen a lot of people reading like a, a an Agile or a Kanban book and being like, we have to follow everything to the letter of the law. But deeper, what was your uh, thesis?
2: So I guess to start off with, I think there's lots that are is great to unpack from the Agile Manifesto. I think as it's been covered the focus on the customer is really key and delivering that value to the customer as an end success metric and just kind of all across the organization being laser focused on that is 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 brilliant i think what's what's interesting to see as it manifests itself across the day to day is almost how um is how it's kind of been Twisted into a a different sort of beast, and how it's almost been taken as a um, almost as a manual, as a kind of a step by step of this is how you deliver value to the customer, which will vary completely from organisation to organisation. So I think you know if we kind of go back, I think some of the big tech giants really understood the brief, i.e., as we've said, create value for your customer, and you know you shop. So. That basically means kind of being set up in a way that you can fail fast and fail cheaply and ultimately decrease your cost of change. Um, And I think as we've seen that translated across many large organizations, I think the brief has kind of fallen down a little bit um, where organizations have kind of, you know, they think that they're competing because they, quote, do agile. But it's just a very different game because actually the fundamentals haven't been applied in a way that, actually make sense for larger organizations and so actually you're kind of you're not getting the value you're not really standing up to the principles that ultimately were were discussed in the, in the actual original manifesto
0: it's funny isn't it sometimes the um the intent and the the reality in the way in which things are implemented uh often can kind of muddy the waters a little bit but well i mean as as agile is there's a set of sort of rituals and services that kind of go around that to a certain degree deeper as well i mean how how have you seen those things be sort of adopted particularly i guess within big organizations
2: so i think it's really interesting so there are um so if we see kind of in my mind at least agile is a a very kind of loose a set of principles, and you can bring those into the organization through various ceremonies. Um, you know, Scrum is a is a common one. Kanban, you know, there are, as I think has been has been discussed. There's many different implementation types for this. I think Alexa said it really well when it's all about picking the approach that works. It's about really thinking it through. What makes sense for your organization, and actually being able to just have a, a ceremony or a stand up, or you know, whatever you want to do, but knowing that you're getting value from it at the end of the day. So I've seen across a number of organizations where it's almost kind of expecting that Agile is going to provide this step-by-step guide. And, you know, if I do a stand-up and then I do a retro, then ultimately, you know, value will magically be delivered to the customer quickly. And that's not the case. So I think really that the piece for me and the real magic in it is, is actually questioning your approach and questioning why you're doing things. And is that going to turn the dial on, on kind of ultimately decreasing the cost of change and getting that value to where it needs to be quickly.
0: Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Often people kind of forget the the sort of missing ingredient in any of those methodologies is like the the people in the room as well. You know, we've seen so many different places trying to adopt Spotify's tribes model, but forgetting the talent that was at Spotify that made that really work in the way that it needs to be. But I, I mean, Alexa, from a, a big institution perspective, I mean, do you think these points kind of limit... Potentially in the way in which it's being adopted right now, because obviously this works, you know, agile, like say we've seen in lateral industries is, is the, the sort of ticking heartbeat, the rhythm, the rituals of of everything that happens. But if we sort of put it into a a box uh, within big organizations, it has that potential to, to not really realize that it's potential.
3: Yeah, I mean, we all agree it works. I mean, that's not something to be debated. The problem is it works very well and really well, actually, when you have a greenfield. So basically, it works very well when you don't have legacy, when you don't have uh, a large organization that's been there for decades and people that have been there for decades. I mean, you know, it's all about change. For this to work, you need to bring people with you. And, And in some part of the organization, it works better than others. Uh, so what we've seen really in bigger banks, it becomes almost like a selling point. We're, we're agile. We're doing agile. Fine. But again, uh, and, and, and I think you just said it, Dipa. If you, if you lose sight of, of what you're doing it for and you're just doing it for the sake of it, I mean, it doesn't work. So for the bigger banks, really, what we have seen, there's pockets of areas where it really works and, and where they've been able to embrace it. I haven't seen yet a big bank uh, fully agile. As in not for a project. Okay, we see this from the angle of a project at Terminus, obviously, because we we work with banks obviously throughout the cycle, but for projects, so for IT project, more specifically. And so from that standpoint, we're seeing the change. And as I said, you go for the spectrum is very wide. You start with the neo banks and the challenger banks, all the way down to the big incumbents that have a huge legacy. And and so, of course, there is less resistance at, at the greenfield and NEO end that there is at the legacy side. Now, again, do you need that much of a change when you're in the weeds? Uh, you know, as we were saying, let's see what difference is going to make to a client. And I mentioned the accounting before. A debit and a credit will not change the life of an end user client. What will change is the user experience. And you can't really reinvent that, by the way. It's not like you can be, but what we do in digital, what we do in lending application, what we do in onboarding, all of these things touch the clients, the end user, the clients of our clients, basically, day in, day out. And that's where we see banks furiously adopting Agile, and I think pretty successfully, to be fair. For them to adopt the entire end-to-end, it's really Greenfield, neo banks, Challenger Banks, where I see this working.
0: Yeah, I mean, is there is there something in that between? I mean, really, what we're what we're sort of talking about is is almost becoming uncomfortable with being uncomfortable to a certain degree, because a lot of um, me and Jason Eleven uh, FS say this quite a lot. Is like most of Agile is smart people making it up, really? Like you know, in terms of like the process around it and being structured around it, but you kind of have to have smart people involved in that process because essentially it gives them the the freedom. Uh, to look at the golf bag and pick the club that's most appropriate for where it is and actually i think the the difficulty sometimes with big organizations is they want the magical recipe they want the Uh, abracadabra kind of moment of, you know, if I do these things and like, you know, pat my head and run run my tummy, I was doing that on the podcast, just in case you were listening to this and didn't see the video, actually managed to do it. Um, Then actually everything is great and everything turns out wonderful. But actually really with with Agile, what we're sort of saying is like, you do what you need to do in order to achieve the outcome. And there is, you know, there is certain rituals and rhythms, but I guess Alexa, you know, big organizations getting, 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 uh, comfortable with that that sort of uncomfortable, well, we might do all of this research and there might not be a good idea, or we might do all of the research and the customers hate it, or, you know, their, their outcome being failure in that sense, uh, however small, however quick, however painless it can be, uh, is actually a really difficult concept for people to get their heads around, isn't it?
3: Yes. And, 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 you know, you have to, the word that comes the most when we speak to bank is risk. How do I de-risk? And so how do I de-risk what I'm gonna put in production? How do I de-risk my financial exposure? How do I de-risk uh, you know, the potential of, of this not being successful? And for a long time, risk was associated with waterfall, de-risking, sorry, was associated with waterfall because you knew and you had written on paper everything you needed to do so it couldn't fail. And agile, especially when it started, and probably wrongly obviously again was assimilated to these good old time and material project when we had all the time in the world and you know as you consume you pay and and so risk it was difficult for banks to grasp that because you don't have the scope written down in as many detail you did still have a scope and once they got that once they understood that it didn't need to be written in 500 pages but once you were looking at what's going to be the impact and the outcome to the end user, that's how you know what you're going to build. Suddenly they started embracing it. And as I said, again, more successfully than others in certain areas. But I think once you understand and what banks started to understand that it wasn't necessarily more risky, then you know we started a better, we started to see a better adoption and and, and then it clicked basically. Yeah. Because before it's- that, it was really more you know, oh my God, how many sprints, how many times, two weeks, because basically in banks, there seems to be a magical two-week sprint, you know, uh, time time frame. And they were just multiplying that and almost applying a TNM, you know, ratio behind that and thinking, okay, so I'm going to do two two sprints and then 10 sprints and then 50 sprints, so it never ends. Yeah. And so that's what, what I think was the biggest issue is how you comprehend as a banker that because it's not written in every single detail, it can still work and it can still be less risky than the other alternative.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? As an ex-sprinter, I can absolutely attest to it you. can't sprint forever. Like, uh, just, just, just about as long as your breath holds out, you can kind of get to. But, I mean, Lars, there's something interesting there between actually what we're saying is like, I mean, Agile is perversely much less risky as a model, but it requires organizations to to let go of some of that control so hand in hand with with agile is really a an idea about putting the decision making the trust into people in your organization to to kind of really move stuff forward
4: yeah i think you're absolutely right i mean um if you consider the alternatives um it's not like the alternatives don't have a place in the world they absolutely do uh, but they come with uh, certain assumptions that uh, Alexa already alluded to. Uh, for example, if you know exactly what you need to build, Agile may not always be the, uh, uh, the best way to approach uh, a big complex problem where you exactly know what you know, the end result looks like. But as soon as you get into into the world where um, you don't really know what you need to build and forcing that knowledge in an area where it doesn't exist is only going to give you a false sense of security. And and taking an agile approach embraces that uncertainty and gives you the opportunity to, to unpack that uncertainty and lack of knowledge in a systemic way. And yeah, absolutely, it does require you to trust the team's to, to, to work through these issues directly. You cannot go with a five-year plan and this is what we're going to do and, and, and force Scrum on, uh, on people to do that. That's not, that's not the right tool for the job. Not, uh, you, you know, not uh, every problem is a hammer and a nail. And, and, and that's what comes with uh, Agile as well. You do need to trust the teams to, to almost morph their own tools for the right problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, in, in the process of, I mean, obviously with, you know, fintech and startups and, uh, you know, this is hard for a big organization to convince themselves or their board of this change. But obviously, fintech startups are convincing, you know, a much harder audience like VCs. Like, and actually, you know, how do you get belief in the direction, the pitch, the process. I mean, it's it has to come back to, to trust, you know, trust in the vision, trust in the mission, trust in the people who are making these things happen in order for people to sort of back those things. But again, you're not going to, I'm pretty sure you know, back when Wise was transfer Wise, you guys didn't have a 86-year plan of all of the capability you're going to be building in the same way as, you know, Lloyd's Banking Group didn't have a 200-year one when it started. And it's just about getting to the end of it, you know. It's it's a model of, again, quoting Jason Bates, smart people making it up, really. Uh, But uh, on that note, we're going to have to take a quick break, and we will be back with you very shortly.
2: Customers expect more from their digital experience and their personal finance is no exception. BlueShift empowers fintechs and financial institutions to create secure customer profiles and intentional, relevant experiences for customers. Whether in-app, on-site, in-branch, or anywhere else, BlueShift's smart hub CDP helps brands like LendingTree and ClearScore turn data into personalized experiences that increase retention, satisfaction, and revenue. Learn more about BlueShift at blueshift.com forward slash 11FS.
0: There is a better way to hire internationally, and it starts with Deal. Everything from contract creation, record keeping, payments, and full-time employment is all in one place for teams all over the world. Companies anywhere can hire compliantly everywhere thanks to Deal. It's payroll and compliance built for today's worldwide workforce. To learn more, visit Let's Deal forward slash 11FS. That's Let's Deal, D-E-E-L, Dot .com forward slash 11FS and redeem an exclusive offer of three months free when you hire a contractor and 20% for your first year when you hire an employee. All right, folks. So having thrashed out a little bit of the pros and cons of where Agile really sort of leaves us, maybe let's look a a little bit into what the alternatives are. Because, you know, as we sort of said, and and DP, you sort of mentioned this, I mean, all methodologies are welcome, like, and actually, really, we should try and take as much uh, from all of them as we can do in terms of what the good bits are in order to to really create the opportunity to solve the problems in the way that you really need to solve them. So, I mean, having put Agile to the sword in your blog, I mean, what do you think is the most effective alternatives?
2: So, I'm going to sound like a little bit of a broken record, so apologies. But I really think, kind of coming back to Alexa's earlier point, I think the, the kind of a hybrid approach is the best way because I think what it does then is it kind of forces you to hold a bit of a mirror up and have a bit of a question around what is it that you're trying to achieve? Is it purely around decreasing the cost of change? Is it around purely around uh, value-driven outcomes for the customer? Like, you know, what are we trying to turn the dial on? And I think that's something that often gets lost in some of this in these processes. So I think... Um, again, I think it was mentioned that Agile feels like, you know, it's the very sexy methodology that people tend to be attracted to. It feels like everyone's kind of, it feels like the new kind of cool kid on the block. And so it's it's a big selling piece in itself. But actually, I think there's lots of kind of models and pieces of models there which people can explore and take the bits that work for the specific organization at hand. So, I was doing a bit of reading on this. And there's there's so many models that were proposed in the 80s and 90s as kind of software development was coming a bit more of a practice. And there's um, there's a model that was developed by a guy called Barry Boehm, which was almost like a spiral. And so the idea is as a product or a project starts off as this tiny little kind of prototype, and then kind of spirals its complexity, and, and kind of pieces are, are built into that. And I feel like actually, that's that really takes some of the core of Agile. And if you then kind of molded in some of the pieces around fast iteration and value to customers, you could build in quite a um, quite a, a complex but all-encompassing model. By no means am I due to write an academic paper on, on this at all, but I just thought it was really interesting how there were lots of different points covered um, in in kind of different, different models. And, and I think there's something to be said around exploring them.
4: Hmm.
0: Definitely. I think sort of going back to that point I was making earlier on around sort of, you know, golf clubs in the bag, uh, you're going to need different ones for, for very different, uh, processes or organizations or cultures or just moments in projects aren't you in terms of default and i think to to your point deeper i mean almost blindly following one probably doesn't lead to the outcome that you want to because you're you're more focused then on the methodology than you are really what you're trying to achieve which alexa was was your point there i mean how how do organizations do you think alexa kind of figure out what they're optimizing for because really in a world that actually, you know, the world is changing faster than ever before, back to my point, really speed of change is probably our only sustainable advantage because anything you can do, somebody else can can replicate. I mean, it might take them two years, it might take them a year, whatever, but actually the features are, are copyable. So how do, how do big organizations almost figure that out? Because I've seen many chasing a a list of features and functionality when actually really what they need is capability in the organization to to continually change
3: i think really it's about innovation the more you go towards innovation the more banks are going you know in the agile way and understand they need to change the trigger there is also that because it's on the innovation front very often they are more than peppering their team with new blood. And so it's helping because what I'm I'm seeing as the biggest problem, obviously, and we mentioned that earlier, is, is, is the teams and the bank. You need to change the bank. It's not enough to just want to be agile and want to address, you know, and catch up with time because it's pretty much what we're all trying to do here. Uh, you know, if the people you have working with you, you can't take with you, you know, not one person, I mean, you know, running at the front can bring the entire pack. And I think that's what the banks are realizing. And and, and the way they are adopting this is places where they know they will need new blood are de facto candidates because they're very often places where it's innovative and to Lars's point, where they don't exactly know what they want. They know they need to do something and change. They know the, the, the wider outcome. They don't know yet how to get there and they will need iteration they will need to go back and get feedback, this feedback loop going. And so that we've seen, um, you know, and we've been developing tools for that. I mean, you know, we have a, a tool called Terminos Continuous uh, Deployment, which basically helps with that, which is, you know, you inject code as you go and you test it and you try it, and you try it obviously not only internally, but you can also test it outside. And and this this, this is the kind of things we do to help them because we know that in that space they're very hungry. This is where they need to change. And then I said that also earlier, they pick their battles. Really, we've seen that, you know, when it comes to, uh, things that are older, but not critical in a sense, they're critical to make the bank run. Don't get me wrong, but they are not going to move the needle in terms of acquiring new customers or new segments. Then they tend to let it, and it's not going to be nice what I'm going to say, but they can tend to let it die with those people. As in, they will retire, they will go and they will they will then be new people and new ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that. It's really, you can't, the whole, I haven't seen, and I don't think we're there yet, a whole bank, a major a tier one running agile through, you know, through and through, top down. So basically, they are now understanding that they need to let some things drop. And they will pick them up. Sometimes it's easy because again, it doesn't really lend itself to agile anyway, because you know, it's regulation is a typical thing, right? Regulation. You have a time that is dictated by somebody else than you, you know, exactly what you need to build because you don't have much creativity, there, innovation. So you can write a spec and you can give it to somebody who loves specs and coding to a spec and let it come when it comes at the time where it was meant to be coming for that regulation. Now, if you're talking about front office, if you're talking about digital, it's different. So really that's what, that's what I've been seeing. And that's what we've seen at terminals. You know, we, we work with banks, like for example, open bank, you know, their view was, we have our legacy system. We need to get out of that because it's preventing us from innovating and not only serving our current customer base, but also what we want to do in over market and open 10 different countries in the next five years. So again, new countries, new people, new blood. Let's focus on that. That's really what, what I've seen coming.
0: Well, I was going to say that that uh, that point on. I mean, you you you've described culture without saying the word culture there, because essentially, when we're talking about cultural change. Organizations, I mean, it's any signs of stresses, people default back to the way that they've done things before. It's why um, it's why people go back to smoking when they get stressed because it's just the thing that they did, you know. So actually, I've I've definitely seen as you describe organizations almost, you know, okay, we're really bought into agile, then there's a wobble somewhere, and then they're back to that waterfall ways, you know. And it's like you you default back to your your base ways by it. I mean, Lars, how, how much do you think agile is therefore? almost a, a cultural reinforcer you know we've talked about you know things like the stand-ups things like the retros you know these things are a sort of cultural principles as much as they are a project methodology
4: yeah um, you're you're absolutely right and and I think um, I think the key is to look at the bag of gold clubs and to see what really works for the group of people that you have together and the types of problems that you're solving. I mean, I've been building uh, products for a very long time now. And, and honestly, I don't even know like half of the terminology that comes with uh, agile. I probably couldn't even list you the differences between Kanban and Scrum today because it doesn't really matter. What really matters is how do you, how do you get to work together as a team? And that continues to evolve over time. Um, in the early days of uh, when we were still transfer-wise, the types of problems that we would be solving uh, there and then were very different to the problems that we would solve today. Uh, we would uh, use way fewer features of the tools that we would use. We would have um, way simpler retros. We would have way simpler uh, planning sessions, et cetera, than we have today. Just to give you a bit of flavor, like what has changed over time, um, You know, the teams have uh, gotten uh, way Bigger the projects have become so much more complex. Uh, back in the day, maybe we um, we were uh, way more loose about like describing what goes into a particular task because it was you know just the just a group of five people who are working on it. Now it might still be the same five uh, people. But some somewhere nine months down the road, we're going to get audited on all the things that we built. So how do you then explain, oh, these are all the things we built without having to go through a separate set of rituals? So you're going to utilize the tools to your advantage while still maintaining and keeping that velocity. So all in all, it comes down to uh, who's the group of people that you're working with and what kind of problem are you solving? And using the appropriate tool for that. And don't, you shouldn't be afraid to... Um, even go down the uh, the waterfall methods, if you will, because there are areas where where it's completely needed. A good example of this, wise. Um uh, does these major integrations to payment systems around the world these days. And you kind of know what you're going to get out of this once you complete the path. Um, there's a certain timeline involved. There's a certain uh, level of approvals, testing, external parties, and all that stuff. Yeah, internally, as you're building it up, you might use Agile, but there are elements of other methodologies that you would use. Ultimately, none of them really matter. What matters is like how can you, with your team, choose the right tool for the right job?
0: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I've, uh, like you say, there is always a place for these things when you need them. I've done many a 2am cut over to a different application form because it was the best way to do it. You you can iterate so far, but actually sometimes it requires a, a bigger leap to a new system or a new platform or whatever to to really do it. But it's, like I say, it's uh, you know picking the Picking the battle that you need to, as you were saying earlier on, Alexa, in order to to solve the problem you're really trying to solve. I, I know we're we're rapidly running towards the end of time in terms of this conversation. Maybe deeper, if we we sort of talk a little bit about. I mean, obviously, uh, I say obviously, this isn't sort of common knowledge for everybody. But you've been building a retail banking over in the US, which has been good fun. We've been doing that fully in a, an agile setup. So. Do you want to kind of share some of your learnings with that, or what's the what's the best piece of advice you would uh, you would give somebody trying to do build a business in this way?
2: Um, interesting. So um, I think there's a few pearls that have kind of come through over the last few months. I think the biggest piece for me, I think we've touched on it a number of times, is around the focus on people. So I think it's understanding the the kind of the makeup of the teams and you know where you're at in the journey. And, and, you know, being honest as, last, as you mentioned on that. One of the biggest, uh, there's a principle in the Agile Manifesto around empowering teams to kind of be self-organizing and be able to, you know, I think there's something about trusting your team as well. And I think that's really key because actually what we've learned is that those teams have such domain expertise. And if you've inherently built those feedback loops to be small enough you've got the data and you're able to iterate quick enough and so I think as you scale if you can take some of those theories of course things are going to change of course things are going to need to adapt in that way but I think if you can maintain the kind of foundation of those small feedback cycles you know the collaborative ways of working then actually you're not changing the entire ways of working and you're not reverting to an entirely old school bank methodology, Um, you're keeping the things that are still important, but you're able to work in it in still quite a smart way. And I think that's important. I think it's very easy to um, forget that teams are empowered and they are able to make the best decisions because they have the knowledge at hand. Um, And I think as you turn into a larger organization, as you said, David, there is a tendency to turn back into, well, we've got these layers of hierarchy, let's use them. Um, but that ultimately then kind of goes back into a world where change takes more time and therefore you're, you're increasing the cost of change and, you know, you're, you're kind of moving back to where you came from.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, Lars, you you're, you're a, you ain't a startup anymore. Like you're, you're a big company. Um, I mean, how do you sort of maintain that, that mentality at that scale? What, what would be your advice?
4: Yeah. Um, in Wise's case, uh, we um, we utilize a culture of uh, independence and autonomy in the teams, which means that every team exists for the purpose of solving a particular customer problem. And that team, by virtue of being closest to the customer, also knows how to solve the problem the best. And so as a result, like the team has that mandate, if you will, or that freedom to use whatever tools they need um, uh, to solve the problem in the in the best possible way. And so I, I think um, despite the fact that we're really, really big, that idea of autonomy um, turns now into a world where, Yeah, you're looking at this company on the surface, but actually within this company, you have a 100 different startups, each of which is focused on a very specific customer problem, using their own tools, whatever works for them, collaborating with whichever other startup is most relevant for them. And through that, finding a much more organic way to solve the customer problem in the quickest possible manner. So it's trying to, you know, embrace what nature has given us in a way where um, instead of sticking to a rigorous uh, structure and hierarchy to solve customer problems, you instead go and talk to customers, solve their problems in the most natural way.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? The overlap there. I mean, you know, from our perspective, agile, jobs to be done, you know, uh, and and sort of culture of dissemination of decision-making it on its own it's just you know it's a it's a book and you know a manifesto but but actually when combined with these other things in terms of customer understanding and that always on moving things forwards that's where the real power comes out of these things isn't it, it again it it's never it's never the intent it's actually the action isn't it it's uh, you know it's not just about everybody having the book it's about what they do i i, I often i'm sure deeper a roller eyes when i say this but i often say it's like you are just what you do every day and actually, if you embed these rituals into an organization, and they bring about that test and learn mentality across the organization, that will be what your organization is like. But you have to you have to truly embed them. It cannot be surface level. I mean, Alexa, you guys have uh, delivered you know major transformations, major platform transformations within organizations. Um, what would be your advice uh, for somebody really trying to get to grips with agile?
3: Um. We said it at the beginning, we're looping back, I guess, but it's really know what you want and know where it it works. So basically, back to your golf club analogy as well. You know, for me, it's really, there is no shame and let's not be ashamed. And I think it's also something that's important in using a little bit of waterfall here and there. As long as you shorten the cycle, we've done that. You know, we do shorter cycle in waterfall, so incremental delivery, even within waterfall. So as long as you don't block and paralyze an entire project, because you're waiting for a piece in the middle for a year, there is no problem in doing waterfalls. As long as it's short, shorter cycle, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's If something will take you the value time of two sprints, i.e. a month, you haven't failed. So I think it's also cutting some slacks to the organization and understanding, you know, that there's this golf bag. Every club is there for a reason. There might be one that, you know, you use more than the others because you're more familiar, you're more, you know, you know you're going to get a specific result with it, but it doesn't mean the others are useless. So I think for me, that's the first thing. The second thing is in the same thing of cutting some slack, it has, you know, when you go through Agile, you are going to have to accept, maybe a less perfect outcome but more impactful uh, impactful outcome so i'm explaining this in a sense that yes you have tested this but very often you do not have a full uat cycle with the entire bank running behind you it's closer not exactly to a unit test it's a functionality front to back but it doesn't you don't exactly know so you're gonna have issues and you know it's very interesting i've been talking with a lot with PayPal because uh, you know we do a lot of with them on the pay, buy now pay later and Ryan was always telling me we have a great tolerance for bugs I'm like okay you say well that's the basically the 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 reverse and the flip side of wanting to innovate and and launch quickly so we've launched free markets in 4 months as a result there will be some issues here and there but people are prepared for that as long as you get you isolate your client from you insulate your clients from this. It's fine. So again, you know nothing is going to run perfectly. Use all your your use all your your golf your golf clubs as you said. I mean I'm not a golfer, but you seem to all like golf, so I'm trying to play to that. <laughs> uh, um, and 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 it will work. But you know be kind to yourself. It's it's a don't fall into the trap of this being a fad and suddenly everything has to be agile. And if you don't speak, you know, Scrum and and user stories, suddenly you're useless and you're dated. Because, you know, there are people out there with great knowledge. They might need to be brought to the journey, but you can't cut them off by just not using the right language, for example.
0: No, I completely agree. I think think we've probably violently agreed here. I think um, agile isn't a silver bullet. It's not this panacea of a process that if you follow it, everything is wonderful, and your company is worth a billion pounds, and everything will be great. Um, it's an adjective. It's an it's an idea. It's the way in which you set out to try and be agile, to move things forwards quickly, to to iterate, to test and learn, and to to really evolve at the speed. Or try and do it slightly ahead of the speed of that the market is evolving. And that actually, if you take that from this, I think that'll be the absolute best thing. So on that note, we have to wrap up the show though. Thank you so much, everybody, for the discussion. And thank you all so much for for joining me as well. Where can people learn a little bit more about you and your company,
4: Lars? Yeah, uh, it's super easy uh, to learn about the company. Just uh, type in wise.com and to learn about me, just type in uh, Lars Trunin on LinkedIn or Lars at Wise. So uh, here I am.
0: Very good. Alexa, where can people find out more about you and Temenos?
3: So Temenos, I'm going to be copying Lars. I mean, we have a great website, temenos.com. We're also very present on LinkedIn. We're always publishing a lot of stuff. So I think you you can find a lot about what we're doing, what we're doing with our customers, which is the most important. And myself on LinkedIn, Alexa Genun, you'll find me there.
0: Very, very good. Deepa, where can people find more about you and all the stuff you're up to at 11FS?
3: Very similar,
2: 11FS.com or on LinkedIn, Deepadagindi.
0: Very good. Uh, we've all been media trained, haven't we? Everybody just that just rolls off everybody's tongues. As for me, you can find me over on LinkedIn where I'm lurking most of the time these days. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It super duper helps other people find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, you can find us on, I'm pretty sure, every social media channel at this stage. Uh, or if you really want to, you can email us on podcasts at 11fs.com. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Goodbye.